Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate Wickedly Smart Women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Diane Halfman. Diane was an undercover cop for the San Diego Police Department, where she experienced a unique perspective of life behind the scenes. Diane took her years of experience to pioneer the creation of her own company called Spa Life, which stands for Seek Power Always. As the host of the Live Your Spa Life podcast and as the reset specialist, Diane travels the country speaking, consulting, conducting workshops dedicated to helping overwhelmed women entrepreneurs and corporate leaders move from a life of emergency to emergence. I love that. And Diane and I have had the distinct pleasure of being sisters in spirit in a, a mastermind group for a number of years, and so it's such a pleasure to spend time with you today, Diane, and I'm looking forward to this interview. Well, Angel, thank you so much for having me here. I always love connecting with you, and let's go, sister. Yeah, let us go. Well, you know, the first thing I want to really presence for people here is you are a woman who is all about power, right? And you have been in positions of authority and power, And you are also a woman who supports others to step into their power. So I would love to have you talk a little bit today about maybe just a little bit about how you originally sought power yourself and, uh, you know, how that led to your becoming a police officer and then ultimately having your own business. Well, what a great question, Angel. I mean, power, the reason I come back to power is, you know, I always look at the other side of how you look at something. And I think a lot of times people look at the word power and they think of the misuse of power. They think about being overpowered. They think of it as being a very masculine thing. And so I love talking about power because I think for women, we have a unique ability to be very powerful in accessing our intuition, our inner power, when we are firm in that inner power, it actually reflects outside of ourself. And for me, I didn't always have that. I witnessed it. My mother was a very powerful woman uh, and also a very loving woman. So I love that whole uh, dynamic between being you know, fierce and feminine and how we can flow in and out of those energies. I was actually in a very disempowering relationship um, when I was with the police department and I really saw what it felt like to be disempowered and not standing in my power. And it, it really, it came through a tragedy, actually, a kidnapping murder case that really actually had me awaken to what my boundaries were, what I wasn't going to tolerate and how I was going to show up. And that's how I really just reclaimed my power, which is why I always talk about how you 
can reset your life at any time. I believe we come in this world with our power. Some things can happen in life to erode that, but we can always reset it and recapture it and show up as that powerful being. Mm, beautiful. Well, I know that you mentioned boundaries there, and I think that that is one area where you and I very much align about the importance of boundaries. But what I'd love to have you do is talk about how we can have that big heart, right? And also set boundaries that are in service to the good of everyone. Is this something that you teach the women that you work with? Absolutely. You have to be really clear on what are your boundaries meant for? Is it meant to let people in that you want to associate with? Or are they walls that are actually keeping people out? And so we want to look at boundaries. And I really teach women to have the awareness that boundaries are to be in service of your own self-care, of preserving who you are, to enrich your own power, and to let others know that there's a certain welcoming that comes as part of that boundaries, but to know where that line is. And it's not always this cement line. Sometimes it's like sand where there's some ebb and flow to that. And when we're clear on what it is for us, we know when it hits a stopping point where it's now taking our power away and we feel less than as opposed to being with people that energize us. So really getting clear on what that boundary is for us, we can then decide how we're going to vacillate that that actually serves us and the people we connect with. Mm, yeah, I like to use the metaphor of the cell wall myself that it, you know, you do want to let some things in and you do want to keep some things out. So yes. I'd like to go a little bit deeper here because I know you have some really powerful personal stories about boundary violations. And I know that it can be Sometimes we can be far away from the reality of where some people actually are because we've been there, but we've, we've transcended that. So I'd love to have you present, if you would, that time when you were felt disempowered and some of the things that you might want to offer to our women about, first of all, identifying that you were disempowered. And then secondly, how do you then act? from that place? Like what is the magic that you can help people with to support them to not only acknowledge it, but also act their way out of it? Yes. Yes. Such insightful questions. You know, it, it's so true that we don't always see it when we're in it. One of the quotes I always love is that we can't always see the big picture when we're in the frame. You know, Les Brown had talked about that. Uh, you know, I was married for like six years, had my, my daughters. I, you know, thought I was going to be married forever. And when my husband left and we got divorced, it was such a a shake to my foundation because I thought I was going to be married forever. No one in my family had been divorced. I always thought everything could be worked through. And so we, after I went through that transition of that and I got into another relationship, even though it was several years later, it was still kind of in the back of my mind that I didn't want to fail again right? That I was going to do everything I could, no matter what, to stay in this relationship and make it work. And so that is really a sign to look at is, are you staying in something that is actually not supporting you? It's not in the growth or benefit of both of you, but it's actually fear-based, right? And that you're holding on to that. And so one of the things I started noticing was that he started making comments in terms of like, you know, are you going to wear that? 
as if if I wore anything that was too sexy, that you know, no one was to see me if I wasn't in a turtleneck type situation. And I kind of looked at it as, oh, how how cute. Like he, you know, is maybe a little jealous, or you know, I always looked at whatever he said that may have been considered negative and looked at, you know, the positive version of it and didn't see it over time, how that can kind of erode your self-esteem, how you think about yourself, what things look like in there. And then I remember, you know, fairly early on in the relationship, there was this, you know, kind of, um, treacherous conversation, if you will, that can sometimes happen when people start asking about who have you dated before? Who have you slept with before? What does that look like? And uh, I remember him asking specifically, you know, what's the number and, and tell me all about it. And I remember thinking that, well, it really wasn't that many. And, you know, if we want to share and get to know each other, you know, what's, what's the big deal? This is being, you know, transparent. And I remember when I shared with him that, immediately, it's almost like he vacated from himself and it triggered something in him. And he actually had kind of pushed me into our bedroom and I kind of slipped into my closet and he put his, his hands around my neck. Now he didn't choke me per se, but there was enough kind of surprise and fear and like it triggered something for me of like almost going into eggshells after that about what are you going to say that is going to trigger a reaction from someone else. And I found that I was always after that managing the energy and being careful what I said. And, you know, a lot of people would ask me, because I was actually a police officer at the time. I was answering domestic violence calls and I always looked at the type of calls I were going to. Their situations was way worse. So I, there was that comparison of like, well, this is not that big a deal of what's happening in my life. We had a lot of stress. It's a stressful job. I mean, there was all of these things of like in the bigger picture, we're going to be okay. We're going to be a family. It's all going to work out. And so when you start looking at the things that you're saying and who are you spending your time with, right? So every day I'm going to a rape call, a murder call, you know, a stabbing call. It's like 911. It's chaos and trauma day in, day out. And, you know, I noticed too that there was a lot more isolation from, you know, the people that I would listen to or spend time with. I mean, the very classic things that when you look outside of it, you're like, oh, that thing. Oh, that thing. But again, when you're in it and it's little erosion day by day, you start not recognizing yourself and start not seeing what's happened with that. So before I go into what snapped me out of that whole situation, uh, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I do. I want to, I want to actually presence a few things here. First, one of the keys that I'm hearing here, because I've had a lot of similar experiences. One of the keys that I'm hearing here, the first thing that you said is, I committed to myself that I was going to do anything to make it work. And I call that pretzeling in my life, right? Like I've had to turn that myself into a pretzel to make it work. So ladies, I just want you to be really clear here that if you are having to make it work and if you are committing yourself and your life force and your power and your energy to quote, make it work and feel the energy behind that, that's a sign, right? That's a sign that there's something that's not functional here. The second thing that I heard really powerfully there was the justification. Oh, he put his hands around my neck, but he didn't really choke me, right? And so right. that's a justification. 
the truth is that if somebody puts their hands around your neck, they are engaging in some kind of an act of threatening violence or actual violence. Absolutely. And that, that is not, not only not safe, it is absolutely not acceptable, right? And then the third thing that I heard there was the rationalization. The rationalization where there was a comparison between yourself and all of the things that you were seeing on a day-to-day -day basis because of your job. And what's interesting to me is that literally you were in an environment all the time of danger and violence and trauma. Yes. So let's talk a little bit. We have about three minutes before the break. Let's talk about, you know, what was it? you know, it wasn't, obviously it wasn't his hands on your throat, you know, obviously it was the, you know, death by a thousand cuts, the erosion. When you get so eroded, what is it that it takes to wake up and take action in service to protecting yourself and creating a better life for yourself? Yeah, Angel, such a great question. You know, I feel it's different for, for each woman. And I think what the, the commonality is that there's a wake-up call in some way and whatever that is for you. For me, there was a kidnapping murder case of my friend's daughter who was seven. It was the first time that I was involved in a child case where I knew the child. They lived less than a mile away from us. And I was the liaison between the police department and the family. And so I was very involved in this case. It was a very national case um, that had happened. I was on TV, there were interviews, there was very public that was happening. And I remember just putting all of my energy into trying to find this little girl because it took us three weeks to find her, even though we found her dead. There was those three weeks of, of hopefulness, of looking, of, of search parties. Um, I was leading the biggest search party that, that there had been at that time. And I remember as I was doing that I had received a phone call from my ex at the time or my person who's now an ex mm -hmm. uh, who was basically saying to me what's for dinner <laughs> and I was like oh I'm kind of in the middle of like a big thing that you know of right now and you know I don't plan on being home anytime soon and he's like they don't need you there he said you know you just want to be famous or you just want to be on TV you need to come home and make dinner now and it's almost like I call it this white cloud moment where it's like life just went still. And I had like this awakening where I was just like in a very calm voice. I just said, I know that we have broken up and gotten back together. There's been a lot of ups and downs. There's been a lot of things that have happened. And, you know, I know you probably won't hear me right now, but we are done. Like we are completely done. I don't, I don't want this for my life. This case has showed me how short life is. I don't want this as an example for my daughters that this is okay to be in a relationship like this. And I can't be an example for other women if I myself are having this experience where I can't even stand up for my own self and I now see it and we're done. And I ended up actually having to get a restraining order. But from that point going forward, we were literally done. Like it yeah. took that clarity for me to know this is it. Yeah, beautiful. Well, we are going to have a short break. But when we come back, we're going to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you, Diane. And we're going to pick up this thread and unravel it a little bit more in service to our listeners. But right now, Wickedly Smart Women, we could really use some of your help. If you are enjoying the show and would like us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at 
www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We are also starting a Facebook community, so you can find out more about that on Facebook. We'll put that uh, link in the show notes for you. We'd love to have you join the community. We will be dropping in episodes every week there and some other fun stuff, including uh, links to our Wickedly Smart Women store. And we would really like to invite you to join us there and to continue conversations and to go deeper with what we are talking about here on Wickedly Smart Women. I also want to say a big thank you to our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We are welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. And today we're going to shout out to our listeners in Malaysia, the Cayman Islands, Indonesia, and we might as well give San Diego a shout out while we're at it. And we'll be right back with Diane Halfman. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition, women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with our special guest, Diane Halfman. Uh, you can find out more about Diane at dianehalfman.com forward slash crisis. And there's something there for you. So Diane, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's there when they go to dianehalfman.com forward slash crisis. And then we'll pick up the thread that we were working when we went to the break. Yes. Thanks for asking, Angel. I recently created this resource guide uh, because I believe that people are going through lots of different uncertainty and crisis. And even the people who maybe not identify with the word crisis, things may feel a little chaotic. You may be a little unstable and you're not sure where you actually are with that. So I created this resource guide to look at what type of crisis you might be in, what to recognize, what are some of the signs, what are the ways that we second guess ourselves, and to make that first step into, you know, having the recognition and what are some of the tools to do about it? Beautiful. Well, so when we went to the break, you were talking about how that white cloud came over you of uh, the cloud of clarity. Actually, it was the cloud of clarity. Paradoxically, it was the cloud <laughs> of clarity that um, actually gave you the blank slate and said, yeah, we're done here. We're complete here. We are finished and we are not continuing to put our life force into this relationship. So um, what I'd love to have you do, Diane, is just Tell our listeners what were some of your immediate next steps to move from living literally a life where you were constantly in a state of emergency, right, fight or flight, to a life of emergence. And you have, you know, certainly beautifully emerged from all of that as a businesswoman and as a leader. So tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of the steps that you took to move yourself forward once you came through that cloud. Ah, uh, yes. 
So for me, it was really re-engaging with the people that I resonated with, that I looked up to, that really showed signs of being strong women. Uh, I was going through my master's at the time and a friend of mine that was going through it, she was kind of seeing what was happening with us and we started spending more time together because I think sometimes when you are rebuilding your own strength, if you can visually see it in someone else, there is something within you that unlocks a resonance. I mean, we've all talked about being the sum of, of the closest people we spend time with. So really uh, noticing who you've alienated yourself with and who you need to realign with and who you need to not spend time with. So the people became a really big thing in that. And I also had the additional motivation. You know, my daughters were, were fairly young at the time. Uh, they were like 10 and 11. And so I was really committed to some personal growth, really taking care of myself on a deeper level, uh, really making sure that our home environment was safe uh, and that we were connecting with my family. You know, I could tell that my family was really disillusioned. I had a very, and I still do have a very close knit family and they were so saddened to see what I was literally putting up with and couldn't hear what they were saying. So really knowing who are your people and connecting with them and what are you doing to build yourself up. Uh, I also started doing some coaching with some people and really started looking at what was the perspective outside of myself that I wasn't seeing because I wasn't necessarily trusting everything within me. But then I started realizing that there was always these signs within me and I was ignoring them. So it was really rebuilding that muscle and that strength to trusting that I knew what was best for myself. And that's that second guessing that happens so much, particularly with women, uh, where, you know, we make these millions of decisions, but then there's like this little nag of like, oh, was it the right decision? You know, is this what I should be doing? And that is a way of undermining ourselves, of not standing in our power and not really respecting that we are experts in who we are, that our experience is really that license to see perspective and to share that deeply with other people. And that we're here to really serve the people who are meant to hear our message. And when we stand in that, those people come to us. They're there to, to glean from the things that we learned and we can move forward with that. So really noticing where we're giving our power away or we're undermining it or we're thinking somebody else knows better than we do versus really standing in that knowing of, of our own journey and why we're here. Mm, yeah. Well, so there's a, I mean, we could spend hours talking. <laughs> Seriously, there's so much there. I want to just see what I, I want to pick up here. And I think the first thing I want to pick up is, you know, in my own personal experience, it actually took me until I was 38 years old when somebody said to me, what is it that you want? That I actually got presence to the fact that I could have my own wants, right? So I had grown up in an environment where there was a lot of uh, conditioning to li literally disappear yourself in service to everyone else's dysfunction. and so. You know, for me, it's actually been an almost 20 year journey since then to actually discover what I want. <laughs> and, and I think that that's like step one of the journey. That's really part of it is to really get clear on that and then, you know, give yourself permission to, to have what you want. But what about expressing, expressing what you want? Is there a way that you help your people in 
not only getting clear on what what they need, you know, what's going to be healthy for them, what they what they actually want, what they actually require, but then being able to actually express that in relationship with other people. Mm, such a great distinction. You know, I think that this is where people get a little bit disconnected because they'll say what they want, but they're not living what they want and they're not sharing it with other people. So, you know, you and I have talked before about how important the calendar is, right? I call it your calendar is your mind in action. It's your actual values on paper. If you say that you value your family or God, but there's no spiritual time and there's no family time on your calendar, How valuable is that to you? So when you get really clear on what is your importance, what what do you stand for, what are your values, what do you want your life to look like, when you get that on your calendar, then you are putting that as a priority. You're making a stand. This is how I want to live my life. This is how I express my fun, my joy, my purpose, like all the things that you have on there. And so many times I'll see people on their calendar, they'll have all the things that they have to do, right? Mm -hmm. Who wants a calendar of have tos? It's like, what do I get to do? What's an expression of my life? And that is a great first place to look at because when you see that visually each day, you can then articulate to other people when they say, how was your day? What are you doing? What does it look like? You know, you actually have it there in black and white and it's a trigger for you then to speak about an alignment of your values and what is actually important to you. Um, And I was just thinking too that one of my, my favorite episodes of one of your guests who was also a guest on my show was uh, uh, Jen DePlessis. And she's in episode 59. So for those of you who didn't, haven't watched that on The Wickedly Smart Women, one of the things I love about Jen is she talks about creating the life that you want and having business built around it. And I believe the three of us are all in alignment with this because so many times we'll give our life away all to our business or to our children or you know to all these other things whereas those are really slices of our life they're not the totality of it and that's where we want to look at what do you want right what is your values what does that look like and get really clear on what that is because we only have one to do here ah, well unless we decide we believe in reincarnation and we're coming <laughs> back again <laughs> For this ride, <laughs> yeah. For this particular, in this particular incarnation, we have a uh, we have a, a limited time. So I want to close our time together here, Diane, by talking a little bit about mentorship, coaching, and either you can share with us a success story from one of the people that you've actually coached, or how coaching or mentorship has really shaped your journey. Oh, I love this question. I love consulting and coaching women, uh, especially when they haven't quite discovered their brilliance with where they are now. It's like people will see where they've succeeded in certain areas, but so many times they'll see all the things that aren't working with them that they're not seeing that they're actually on the path. And one of the things I love is that failure is on the path to success, right? That those are all learning lessons. They're all helping us move forward. Uh, And, you know, I can think of one client in particular right now that was just so focused on what was happening in the present moment that she couldn't unlock what she was actually passionate about, what she actually wanted and the direction she wanted to go in. And so what was so great that uh, with our time together and we actually still work together is I was able to ask her some really deep and key questions so she could get that clarity on 
what she actually wanted. And there's several tools that I use for people to see like what is their strengths and their values and their personality. And there's so many different factors that can kind of go into making the pie, if you will, that then helps people really see what when that light bulb turns on, there's just nothing more rewarding because then they have their own energy. They've got the, you know, you can build in the rituals and the habits that support it, but until you recognize it, right? I believe that's what coaching and consulting help people with is that recognition of it's all in them and they have all systems go. Yeah. Beautiful. I love it. Well, for those of you who are in crisis or emergency or even think maybe you might be, but you're not being honest with yourself about it, I would definitely recommend that you go to dianehalfman.com forward slash crisis and get that resource. And I am just so grateful that you were with us today, Diane. Thank you so much for pouring out your wisdom and your, you know, just showing up as the powerful woman that you actually are is I think enough, you know, it's just enough to have powerful women in the world who have been able to emerge out of crisis and be in a place of leadership, speaking their truth and helping other women. Thank you so much for just, you know, being you. I'm just so grateful for that. And I want to say to our listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that information in the show notes. Or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wikilysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.